Hello, beautiful people. Just a quick programming note. This episode was recorded several months ago before uh, the coronavirus lockdown and the murder of George Floyd, but we wanted to release it now during Pride Month. Just wanted to explain why we are not referring to those events in this particular podcast. I hope you enjoy. Hello, beautiful people. You are listening to the Communal Table Podcast, part of Food & Wine Pro. I'm your host, Kat Kinsman. My guest today is somebody who I'm actually meeting in person for the first time, but I have been following him for several years since he wrote an absolutely extraordinary piece for Eater about how homophobia almost made him quit the restaurant industry. And thank goodness he stayed in the restaurant industry and has been a a beacon for um, people who, well want to be good humans and want to support all kinds of, of people and especially the LGBTQ community. Um, he's he's just somebody who I look at his Instagram and I see what an incredible human and dad and baker he is and just welcome Justin Burke. Thanks. <laughs> okay, this is fantastic. I feel like this is the first time we've ever actually met in person, though. I feel like I've known you for a while. <laughs> yeah, we've been Instagram friends. Yeah. And uh, for backstory here, I've been wanting to talk to Justin for a long time because he wrote an incredible piece for Eater in, was that 2018? Yeah, in July 2018. Yep. July 2018 about how homophobia almost made you leave the restaurant industry. Yep. And I mean, that piece was was seismic. And I know we were talking a little bit after that because you, so many people started reaching out to you. Yeah. It was overwhelming. Like, yeah, I was not expecting that. I mean, when Hillary and I were talking about, she's so wonderful. Hillary Dixler, everybody. So great. Like, she's... honestly, I feel like she's the reason like I'm able to fight this fight. Yeah. Is that she, she pulled that courage out of me to do it. Yeah. She's an incredible editor and just gosh darn great human being. <laughs> she's just lovely. Yeah. Um, but we, I don't think either of us knew Mm -hmm. that there were so many people who wanted to talk about it. Yeah. I guess I was naive. I don't know. I was just, (laughs) I don't know what happened. Everybody's in their own particular circumstance and you work in the kitchens you work in and you may or may not talk to other people in the industry. Like, you know, the people in your, your immediate regional vicinity and maybe you talk to people online, but you're not necessarily going to open up that conversation. Yeah. I was just like my Instagram, like DMs were just like filling up and Mm -hmm. like, Facebook and you know I was still like Kindred and Hello Sailor and so you know my email was you know a contact and so I was just getting it was like all angles these folks yeah reaching out and it like broke my heart it was comforting because yeah. I wasn't alone but then I'm like Ugh, there are so many people who did not have not gotten out of it yeah. that need help that have nothing like there's no outlet for them no resource and it just started making me think like it definitely pulled in my former career of like nonprofit social justice work. And Mm -hmm. this is the first time I'm seeing both my careers coming together. It's, it's kind of an amazing thing. And I've, I've had similar moments because I write about mental health so much and, you know, people had known me as a food writer who started writing about uh, mental health, but it's, there is both a joy and terror in that moment when your inbox uh, starts blowing up because you've just shared this deeply personal yeah. core thing about yourself, which takes a lot of energy to to do. It takes a big chunk out of you to do, especially, I, I, I assume in your case, but I don't want to speak for you, like it's been building up for a long damn time to finally have the release of putting this out into the world. Well, it was just kind of... I felt like I was living a lie. Like I wasn't, people didn't know. Like I'm like my dearest friends, like my like core group of mm-hmm. friends were like, I had no idea. And I'm like, I didn't want to talk about it. It was, yeah. 
it was embarrassing. Um, it made me feel weak. I mean, all those things that like, you know, abuse does to you. And, yeah. and it definitely triggered my depression and my mental illness and anxiety. And mm-hmm. and looking at when I was 19 and not in the industry to now as a 36-year-old, mm-hmm. I'm not the same person. Yeah. Like my brain does not work the same way because of that abuse. And I every day I have to work on living, essentially, functioning as a normal human being. And but I don't want to give up my career and I don't want those folks to give up either. I mean, PTSD is, is real it's and it worst. forms your, it, it forms your brain and makes these, these patterns. I mean, I've been reading more and more about it and, you know, and have my own, you know, long-term experiences with uh, my own mental illness and also, you know, people in, in, in my life and stuff. And it, you know, and it, you, you can sort of re-knit neural pathways and stuff, mm-hmm. but it takes Really, like you said, the daily work, the daily work of being a human being is exhausting. Like, I just want to lay in my sweats and lay on the couch yeah. and drink coffee and cry. <laughs> like, yeah. that's what I want to do. <laughs> I wish I could cry. I'm really bad at crying. I'm, I'm not... really good at crying. Oh, I mean, teach it's not me like... your ways. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just when it starts, mm-hmm. I'm like, it's going to be two hours, guys. Like, yeah. Here it comes. It's so physical, too, the act of, of crying. Like, I yeah. sort of realize, like, you know, I can trigger it sometimes by watching some TV shows. And, like, that's kind of the crutch that I oh have. Oh, gosh. There's a Netflix show of babies. I started watching it. And I'm like, Aww. and I just had a son. And so, like, you I watched. a little bitty guy. <laughs> he's so cute. But, yeah, I started watching, like, the first episode shows, like, a delivery room. And I just started bawling. I'm like, <laughs> I remember. <laughs> oh, my gosh. For me, it's, it's sort of like, I've been watching that show, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. And it's like. Yeah. Yeah. There's musical numbers, and there's a parent on there who um, suffers from a neural uh, degenerative thing and is kind of locked in. And you know, I have a my my mother has got a lot of issues and things, so I just watch that and ball. And they're singing, and it's really great. I haven't seen it. Is it? It's good. Yeah, they're okay. I'm like three episodes in, and I would highly recommend okay. this. But also, it's emotional and lovely. And but it but you're you're so right about that daily work. And if you're walking back into a situation day after day just as a friend of mine says walking into the fist yeah or walking into i was like charlie brown in the football like and you know what's going to happen and you may or may not be empowered to change any of it and then the i can't stress enough to people I, i will include the link in this because it's such a powerful and beautiful and heartbreaking story and so generous because you were talking about the day-to-day of that and how it changed you as a person and you know you became a person you didn't really like I mean I developed addictions too like and it was just so so you know I was doing pop-ups I wasn't in I didn't have one restaurant I Mm -hmm. was doing pop-ups so I was going to different restaurants almost every day Mm -hmm. most often it was great but there were just these very harsh moments that were defining for me yeah and I started an addiction I was drinking way too much Mm -hmm. I started taking you know Ativan, drinking Red Bull, like coffee, just trying to stay up because mm-hmm. I was staying late drinking. Yeah. I was only sleeping for a couple hours. I was doing pastry, so I had to wake up at four or five. Yeah. Um, and I was just, I was a nervous wreck. I was super skinny. Like, I th- and I was running marathons. Running became oh. an addiction. Yeah, it's all of this. I, and I, I see that a lot with, with chefs. You take that obsession that yeah. it takes to uh, be a chef and especially pastry chef. Oh my mm-hmm. God, your brains. <laughs> like uh, the, the, the math is a math job yeah. in addition to many, many things. We're OCD. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. I, actually, I've talked to a lot of people with OCD who thrive in a kitchen in some ways because it fuels that like I know exactly what I'm supposed to do in the order I'm supposed to do it. And yeah. I just have to do it over and over and over 3,000 times. If I break the system, I 
I can't function. That's why I don't do savory. Like yeah. any like any of my executive chefs are like, hey Justin, can you just like throw some like cumin on that? And I'm like, <laughs> I might like I'm already sweating, already thinking about it. I'm like, well, how much do you want? Like, what's the weight? Yeah. And I just can't. My brain can't yeah. think that freely. That's the thing about kitchens that always strikes me, um, especially in the mental health sphere, is that you are rewarded for your illness in some ways. Like people who do have obsessions, people who have various other things, it's or um, streak of masochism or whatever it happens to be. And you can just keep picking that scab until it scars over. Mm -hmm. And then you're the toughest person in the kitchen. And it's not, but what's life like outside of that? It's hard. I mean, that I had an option. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm being essentially bullied and abused and, Mm -hmm. Well, what do I do? I'm I'm an emotional person. I'm a very sensitive yeah. person. That's just kind of how I've always been. Then I kind of like one day woke up and I got this like grit where I just like pushed back. Yeah. But I was just replicating the same abuse they were doing just in yeah. a different way. Yeah. And so that lasted for a year. And I'm like, who who have I become? Like, who have I become? And could you shut it off when you left the restaurant or did it carry over into the rest of It carried of into my marriage. Yeah. I mean, it carried into my friendships, my relationships with my family. Like, I just completely removed all human connection. Yeah. Because I didn't trust anyone. Yeah. And it was just sad. I was lonely. I remember my mom called me because I showed her, a, you know, I posted a picture of like, I just finished the Chicago Marathon. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you're way too skinny. Your head, you look like a bobblehead toy. And I'm like, thanks, Mom. But, right. like, it, I mean, as silly as that is, I looked at that photo and I'm like, I'm not healthy anymore. Yeah. Like, I, there's so much to this that's not okay. It sometimes takes somebody on the outside saying those, those things to you. I, I uh, did an interview with Sean Brock um, in in Charles no in Charles sorry, at, at Blackberry Farm uh, yeah. recently, and actually it was several months ago, but we just ran it a couple weeks ago, and he was saying that when people finally showed up at his door and said, "Hey, it had an intervention, they were willing to take him away," um, he said, "Thank God," because he knew he wouldn't let him. He yeah. he knew, and he knew the 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 track that that he was on, and otherwise it's it's disturbingly easy to just like grit yourself into a place and be so tough and if you're a person who's grown up with mental illness or any sort of societal difference whether it's you know gender mental health any any race anything it is like you are told that you just have to be stronger than everybody else yeah i i learned quickly like i wasn't achieving the process of healing for me and i wasn't being an example of like kindness by yeah. being that like standoffish and not holding a conversation with folks yeah. that were abusing me like I, I just wasn't I was still part of the problem like I, yeah. it's just hard to get to the point where I'm like yeah. okay now I'm causing the problem by yeah like letting this manifest into this different personality that I have now yeah. Um, but yeah it was it was a tough tough thing to come to terms to mm-hmm. writing that piece was very therapeutic yeah. Like Hillary, Hillary was just like, just write, just write, write, yeah. write. We'll cut. And I was like, okay. And I mean, we went through edits after edits and yeah. 
I she's mean, thorough. <laughs> she's great. Yeah, and, truly. And it it is the core. I'm very I'm very proud of that piece. Um, and the writing's really great too. Oh, I will say too. Thank You're you. a wonderful thank you. communicator. And thanks. You know, and you have a background in communication. Yeah. And you were uh, when we were uh, before this getting ready for this. Uh, he told me he had many degrees. Um, how did you happen to come into restaurant work? <laughs> with, with, with these various degrees and like all these other things it's it's it, you, you sort of mentioned but i want this real story yeah it's um it's people like it's honestly mm-hmm. meeting someone so like i worked in restaurants in college and grad school like most do mm-hmm. um when my then husband and i got married mm-hmm. um i was in grad school and we needed to get a new apartment yeah <laughs> i was like david just Go find a place. I trust you. I'm too busy. Um, he found this apartment above one of Barbara Lynch's oh. restaurants, um, B- B&G Oysters. Yeah. Um, and she has three restaurants there, Stir, Butcher Shop, and B&G. And we lived there for three years, and we just became – their office is the first apartment of that brownstone oh, wow. um, for those restaurants. So we just started becoming friends, and – they knew that I loved baking, and that was the same time David and I were trying to earn money to, like, reserve money to have a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and surrogacy was very expensive for two nonprofit employees <laughs> living in Boston in a brownstone. Wow. <laughs> um, so, you know, I started an online bakery to kind of encourage folks to support us but get Had cookies. you always bake, uh, baked? Like, where did this come yeah, from? Yeah, my grandma. Mm-hmm. I mean – such a pastry story. My grandma. <laughs> <laughs> I think how many uh, bakeries are named after people's grandmas? <laughs> it's always like my grandma, my grandma. But truly, my grandmother, you know, my mom was very young when she had me. So my grandmother stepped in and helped raise me while my mom worked. And she just, she's a cooker. And yeah. she did not believe dinner was dinner unless there was cake. So. Oh, that's so lovely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's just, that's just how I grew up. Um, and she, it's very, it's what I do with Jasper, my yeah. son, like. I include him at an early age of, yeah. of cooking so he understands the world around him. And mm-hmm. she would just prop me up on the counter. She'd give me my, like, big Pyrex measuring cup, a little tiny whisk. Um, and I would just, like, usually it was just milk. She was just, like, <laughs> just stir that. But, right, you're being helpful. You're being very Yeah, big. you know, and then it was eggs. And then she would, like, start incorporating. And it just developed into this, like, passion. And I think it's, you know, she's gone now. And that's just, yeah. like, that's my relationship with her. And yeah, and it's it's therapeutic and... When I'm having a really, really shitty day, it's like it's, I just talk to her and I bake. I think that's really lovely. And that is such a link to the people who aren't here anymore. And did you ever read um, Ben Mims wrote this incredible story uh, about coming out to his family and the, the cakes? Yes. And, 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 and I love Ben so much. He's oh, dear Ben Mims. We love you. Like, <laughs> like truly a wonderful writer, wonderful uh, baker, cook, all of. All, all of the many, many things recipe developer. Amazing person. Amazing human. <laughs> and for folks who have not read this um, this uh, essay, we will also include this, but he um, shares the story of coming out to his family and the particular um, cakes that they were eating in in the South and then sort of being cut off from his, his yeah. family, and, and the, but the cakes being the link to it. And I feel like they really are. It's, it's such a hands-on medium. Mm-hmm. Um, baking is. So I feel like that is really, truly one of the things, and it's one of the first things we're taught as kids yeah. how to do. Well, I mean, too, desserts are, it's comforting. Like, food nurtures. Mm-hmm. Dessert, it's a vice. It's a luxury. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's comforting. And for me and for so many, mm-hmm. there's that relation of, like, who used to comfort them when they were a child. Right. Um, you know, those food memories of, you know, 
you know, I, I grew up eating wacky cake out of the cafeteria, which is just what chocolate. Is it's just chocolate cake. <laughs> Just chocolate cake with white frosting, mm-hmm. but it's like old fashioned white frosting. So you like oh, make like basically yeah. a roux and go for it. But you know, it's it's these things that just kind of like make you feel good when you need it. I mean, why do you think we eat ice cream? Yeah, when we're sad. Yeah, or like even when we're happy, we celebrate with cake. Like it's an emotional thing. It's all those nurturing things, and uh, we had also been discussing that I have a lot of dietary restrictions and things, so I can't have a lot of of these things. So I realized that I. Having this little bit of chocolate Mm -hmm. every day, um, or most days, it's just something that hits my brain. And I was never really a chocolate person before I stopped being able to eat all of these other things. I sort of thought, oh, chocolate's fine. It's great. Whatever. But uh, after I stopped being able to sort of eat a lot of other things, more complex desserts, just the treat center of my brain, (laughs) something lights up there. Uh, So I have no sweet tooth. Like, I just do not... I, I love this, actually. <laughs> Confession. <laughs> Again, I'm a food writer who can't really eat a lot of foods, and you're... A and, like, I'm a pastry chef with no sweet tooth and a dairy <laughs> allergy. You know what? Actually, in some ways, I wonder if that's sort of better for you, because otherwise you'd just be, like... I know. People are like, why are you not a thousand pounds? I'm like, well, hey, I mean... First of all, I hate that question. Me too. <laughs> yeah, it's really insulting. First of all, I'm like, if well, what somebody, if I was? Yeah, if somebody is, that's fine. Or are you going to tell me, like, well, that explains why you're a pastry chef? <sighs> throw a punch like, yeah. <laughs> people have terrible questions and sometimes I'm just like shocked I'm like okay like you said that thing out loud would you like yeah it's your fat phobia is showing your right. whatever I'm is like, showing oh god yeah but um, yeah like um I don't even remember what I was going to say, oh, but but yeah, we were talking about like that that sort of like emotional response yeah. from from the treats and not having a, a sweet tooth. Too. Yeah, not having a sweet tooth, but there are moments where I'm like I get home from work or you know it's just like a weekend and I'm like. I need ice cream. Yeah. But I can't have ice cream. But now there's like so many great options. Yeah. Um, But so when I worked at Kindred, um, I kind of secretly made most of the ice creams dairy free and didn't tell folks. Oh, I love that. So was it like I didn't make it a big thing. So what were you like coconut milk or other kinds of coconut? um, I didn't. I used a lot of tapioca to like thicken it. Yeah. Um, I just did a whole bunch of stuff to give them that texture. Yeah. Yeah. but yeah, folks. I love that. And then we would be stealthy. like, it's dairy free. And they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's stealthy and awesome of you. But I didn't want to make it a big deal. Well, I what I really love is you've you've been in North Carolina for a while. It'll be five years in June. Okay. And and most of my uh, in-laws live there. And it's been such an interesting thing to see my husband's uh, siblings who were in their uh, late 60s, early 70s, all of a sudden sort of embrace all these dietary differences and saying like, oh, well, I'm not doing gluten right now. I'm trying to stay away from dairy and all this stuff. And thinking like, who grew up with really traditional Southern cooking, which I love. I am obsessed with yeah. Southern food and and all its bounty and all the different regional variations and things. But it had been very uh, sort of meat and three <laughs> kind yep. of thing. And to... Um, as as they're at this particular age, like taking this care and really looking at their diets, and so I feel like if they saw like the dairy free ice cream, they'd be like, "Oh heck yeah!" In a, in a sort of group of of you know particular demographic that you wouldn't necessarily think would. It's been amazing. It has been a treat yeah. living in North Carolina the past five years because yeah. when I came in. You know, I worked at Kindred and... Could you explain Kindred for a sec for folks who don't know what that is? Yeah. So Kindred's owned by Joe and Katie Kindred, um, their husband and wife. And Joe's um, from uh, Davidson, which is where the restaurant is. And it's, you know, in 2015... Wow. It's 
in five years that's been open too. Wow. That's crazy. That, oh, wow. <laughs> it's um, so February 2015, they opened up and, um, you know, it just it just blew up. They were doing really unique food, small plates. Like, it, we tried to get away from, like, saying it's New Southern. We were like, mm-hmm. no, it's just, like, comfort food with worldly inspiration. Like, it's, it's how we like to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was sharing and... We just held conversations with our guests and and taught these folks what these new ingredients were they never heard of. And it was just an experience and education to our guests, not only just coming in to eat. Um, And I I adore them. Um, I've heard – I don't think I've met them in person, but I've heard the loveliest things about them and what they brought to their community and also just for the people who who work there. They're really hard workers and they they really like pour in so much into their staff. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I started in front of house. I was an oh. assistant front of house manager, then moved into service, service manager. And then when there was an opportunity in pastry, they moved me into the executive pastry chef for, for both Kendra and Hello Sailor. Whoa. So how many desserts a day is that? Uh. So Kindred, <laughs> let's let's start with the bread. So okay. Kindred is known starting each um, dinner service with milk bread. Oh, God, I love milk bread. So it's like this little teal tin with four little, like, balls of dough. It's like salt on top. Mm-hmm. It's so good. But I have made so much of it that <laughs> I would taste it because, you know, quality control. And I'm like, people like this stuff still? <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. Like, I would just be like, ugh. Um, but no, so... I would make 250 loaves a day oh plus wow. all of the desserts. And we would do – we had um, two or three different types of ice creams, mm-hmm. um, a tart or some kind of variation of, of that. Mm-hmm. Um, we had our chocolate birthday cake because every day was someone's birthday, mm. even if it wasn't your birthday. Right. <laughs> um, I love a cake at a restaurant. Like, right? A, a, like, and it doesn't happen – there was a restaurant for a while in New York where you could get a slice of cake. It was sort of like high, you know, high-ish yeah. end, and you get a slice of birthday cake, and it was the best damn thing. It was just so fun. And if we knew it was their birthday or an anniversary, we would, like, pipe on the plates and just yeah. – I mean, we didn't sing unless they asked us to. We had one server who was just like would embarrass folks. Oh, no. Like yeah. really go for she it. She would just go for it. And I'm like, <laughs> I love you, Kathy. Like you're awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah. And then we had cookies and ice cream too. Oh, and then we had it. this. Yeah. We had a, a boozy punch as well. Um, that was Kindred. And then when we opened up Hello Sailor, mm-hmm. we had um, we made milk bread um buns for the lobster rolls mm. and then we had soft serve that you know when when joe said he wants soft serve i'm like we're not starting with the base like we're going to make this from scratch mm-hmm. um so we had two flavors of soft serve going at all times wow. plus the swirl yeah um we started with poke cakes i thought it would just be really really oh, wow. cool you mean like so like the kind that you put like put in yeah put, so put like you just Jell-O make the sheet you? cake poke the holes oh, i made so many of those i'm like kid. i love that what is weird <laughs> That I could put on this menu. Um, and it was poke cakes. And so we did like German chocolate, hummingbird. Oh. We got really creative. Oh, hummingbird is such a special, yeah. special a thing. A lot of people didn't know about it. And I'm like, it started in North Carolina. Yeah, it's one of those those really throwback desserts. Yeah. But I feel like you... It's like church lady food. Oh, and I love it. God bless the church lady food. Like with the I love it. Gazillion layer cakes. Yeah. Like there's... Um, I, I'm thinking, gosh, Rodney Scott barbecue. Yes. 
he I, I went to the the original location and it's in you know pretty humble building and uh they have church ladies who make like you can buy cake by the slice there yeah. too and they're like 17 layers to this cake and it's the I, best thing in the world with like caramel between each layer i know like i see i'm at like a potluck and i see someone bring like church lady like desserts i'm like <sighs> just take my dessert away like it's not gonna be as good like I, i'm embarrassed oh it's it's such a, and there are the cake ladies yeah who are very um sought after and you sometimes have to curry their favor to like get a cake lady to sell and to you that's what i love about them and that's what i love about living in the south now because mm-hmm. i'm a huge food historian like that's mm-hmm. a hobby of mine yeah um especially with desserts and i'm like rummaging through like weird desserts because I, I want them to send you i want them <laughs> To come back. I am here for your mission. All right. One billion percent because I, so I uh, collect old pamphlets and, and, and old and all the spiral bound, uh, you know, church lady cookbooks in the world to bring them to me. (laughs) My boyfriend's um, mother for Christmas gave me a cookbook with the spiral binding of West Virginia food. And of course I cried. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I like that, that to me, I'm just like, Oh, this has history and there's things in here and I'm going to be able to determine like what like regions these folks were coming from yeah. and you know what you know what their ancestry is just by what they're what from one ingredient and oh, telling a story about it it's absolutely true and sort of like what phase the apples are in or the yeah. grapes does this call for scuppernogs does this you know it's it's all those very regionally specific things yeah. um when my mother-in-law died i actually got all of her um, cookbook. So she she passed away when she was in her um, like mid nineties, and she had been collecting all oh, of these wow. for years. And I think maybe none of her kids were really interested in them. So I have oh, like wow. this amazing. I will happily what share. a treasure. <laughs> yeah, I feel really incredibly lucky and honored to to have them. And these desserts absolutely deserve to be honored. And yeah. and they're so, they're regional like lingua franca. Like they yeah. Like I I don't want to reinvent the pastry world wheel. Yeah. I don't know how you want to say it, but I want to find like what we're not talking about Mm -hmm. and just honor it. Let's just do it again. And we're kind of going to that phase where we kind of we want more comfort, especially with the climate of the world right now. (laughs) Definitely. I mean, we um, we recently ran a feature from uh, Lisa Donovan and she, you know, she's another person I love. uh, All the pastry folks are just the (laughs) the best human beings. And, and, and she wrote really, a really moving and personal way about, and she's also got a memoir coming out too, where where she talks about it. I'm reading it right now. It's phenomenal. Everybody get Lisa Donovan's. I'm so excited. (laughs) Memoir that's coming out. It's, it's, it's such a beautiful, beautiful book. And, but she talks about, you know, bringing her desserts into, husk which is very much you know new southern and and white tablecloth and and she was like well you know these are rethought you know basically like church desserts she had taught herself to bake out of cookbooks and old recipes and things and she was a young single mother who was you know making baked goods and selling them out of her trunk to support her and and her kid and you know she realized she's part of a a long long tradition Mm -hmm. of you know, bakers and like often women like who just did this to support their, their family. And, yeah. you know, and, and it is one of those things that transcends uh, racial lines that, you know, and, you know, there, the desserts may vary, but the sentiment is the same. And this is what you do. You feed your community and you support yourself through, you know, selling these things. Yeah. It's, you know, I think about 
like how I got exposed because I'm self-taught. I didn't go to culinary school. That's the one school I didn't go to. <laughs> <laughs> Every other. <laughs> um, but, you know, I used cookbooks as textbooks. Yeah. And I, some people might cringe about what I'm about to say, but like I would rip pages out of the cookbooks, mm-hmm. combine them with another one. Like I would staple tape yeah. because I wanted to take all these folks' ideas and, and make a new one. Yeah. But use like, you know, lemon curd inside of, you know, a hummingbird cake to give it like new flavor profiles and you know think of okay we're going to use a cheese I thought that was so cool to see like I remember the first time because I'm from a small town in the desert to see like blue cheese used in a dessert yeah like in a frosting and I'm like mind blown like yeah. what are we doing here and I don't know that I've seen that actually <laughs> it's delicious um I'll shoot you the recipe just Please, to like I look at it it's really that. cool um but yeah like I, I like my ex-husband would come home and I'm just like He's like, how are you doing? I'm like, sorry, the house is a mess. Like, just careful <laughs> where you walk because there's right. like, I mean, it was just like a a side thing. And then, you know, I started doing it to earn money to have a baby. So how did you get started? What was the light bulb like? Oh, I can sell cookies online. So I was on the Cape. So my college friends and then we all stayed after college and lived in Boston. We would always go to the Cape. Um, and we all kind of had, we joked, like, we had a doctor, we had a nurse, we had a lawyer, <laughs> you know, we had finance. Um, I was kind of like the cook, sort of say, <laughs> but I wasn't professional. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would always want me to make breakfast. And so I started, like, making scones. Mm-hmm. And then I started making Pop-Tarts. Oh, see, that's how you win somebody's heart. Um, so I started making Pop-Tarts, and uh, Joanne Chang was making Pop-Tarts and flour. Wow. Now, I know I've said I loved a lot of people, but, like, Joanne Chang is, she like, is she is my pastry mentor. Like, I love her, and I'm, like, I look at you, and I just, like, you teach me so much. We've never met. Well, we have met. She doesn't know that she <gasps> yeah, met I me. Yeah, I have <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, like, hey. Yeah, her books are extraordinary. And they're so easy to understand for anyone to want to bake yes um and that's kind of where i got started like she essentially taught me how to professionally bake um so i was making pop tarts and my friend stephanie she just come off a top chef and she left her restaurant position to just kind of take a break Mm -hmm. and she was doing donuts pop-ups doing donuts and she you know was talking to me and and david my ex-husband and he was like well why don't you just like sell things online and Stephanie was like, why don't you just join the pop-ups with me to, like, earn some second, like, some quick cash? Oh, wow. And so we did a pop-up of just donuts and Pop-Tarts. Oh, heaven. <laughs> and, you know, she was on Top Chef Cray, so, like, we knew we would have guests coming. Mm-hmm. Barbara Lynch opened up one of her restaurants for us. Mm. Um, and then we had, like, 250, 300 items together. And in 32 minutes, we sold out. Whoa. Yeah. Um, it took longer for us to make it than to sell it. That, and that Top Chef exposure is... It's golden. That is absolutely huge. And when it's, and when folks use it the right way. Yeah. It's it's brilliant. I've had a few friends go through that and some of, you know, most of whom haven't won, but they've ended up being able to use it as a, you know, as a calling card for the restaurants. And if you behave yourself on it and are a decent person. If you do it the right way. Yes. You know, I look, you know, I, I, people talk to me, they're like, why aren't you going to cooking shows? I'm like, well, here's the thing. Like one-offs, that doesn't interest me. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to be challenged to bake something of weird things I don't know what to do with. Right. Like that's not fun for me. Yeah. If I were to go on and if some... you have anxiety brain too. 
Right. Like I would probably just stand there and I'm like, my hands are sweaty. Yes, I don't know what to do. Same. Um, I'm just going to walk off set. Thanks, guys. <laughs> it's been real. No, but like something like Top Chef or like a series, it it truly does push you. Yeah. Like it's it's a competition, but it pushes you. Yeah. But it also pushes you as a person. Absolutely. To be among people you don't know. Really, it's like almost replicating another kitchen culture of, you know, dynamics and mm-hmm. are we going to get along? Are we not going to get along? And it really shows, it really sets, in my opinion, it sets chefs from, you know, change agents. Yeah. Who are going to take this experience and create change in their community if it's just going back, even if they didn't win, going back and creating this amazing restaurant that gives back to their community yeah. or have national attention that they can be a mentor or a good example for folks. It really determines on how you're going to use that platform. Yeah. And I think uh, so much of that, you know, from friends who've been on it, they say, well, they you know, trying to ply you with alcohol or whatever it yeah. happens to be. But if you know who you are going into those, it's so much better. I have a, I have a dear friend who was sort of weighing the decision. Mm-hmm. And the reason I thought it would be good for him is like he knows exactly who he is and he was not going to yeah. change that. And he ended up like winning fan favorite and, you know, and is really, you know, and I, it's been really fun, you know, seeing people's reaction to him because he was just himself on yeah. it, never compromised, really cooked his, his food and it's been a pleasure watching that what's also nice to see to these like personalities of chefs that aren't the like screamer yeah. abusive masculine yeah or like as a gay man in the pastry world yeah. i'm typecast and stereotyped yeah you know and it, it just like i remember one time they're like oh i didn't realize you were gay because you know you're do pastry but like you're not very gay. Oh <laughs> like, God. what's people, being very I mean, gay? The <laughs> like, things. That what do you want me to do? <laughs> say, like, it's, it, it is really shocking what people will yeah. say to, to one. And at the same time, it's not shocking at all. But yeah. actually, let's talk about pastry though for okay. a second because it does feel as if a, a lot of women and gay men are put in pastry specifically or yes. pigeonholed in into pastry. Yep. I um, most of the gay men I know who work or like self-identified gay men who mm-hmm. who work in kitchens are mostly in in pastry and uh and for varying reasons and I'm always curious to find out how that happened is that um because is it structural is it by desire like what is it and yeah. a lot of times I've gotten back well you know, like you were saying, this this culture of of cruelty and homophobia is is so intense, yeah. and only the f- friends of mine uh, who I've sort of known who have been able to. I'm thinking like Dilovitsky is is so wonderful, and he and he's you know, and he's a big physically imposing man. And he was saying, well, you know, I used to play football and stuff like that. Are they really going to screw with me? Do they really want to try this right. with me? And so he like had to sort of use his physicality for that, and just like turn around but then then you know found himself being as crude as anybody else yeah. but let, do you feel like that is a, that is a real thing so i thought about this yeah, and i kind of sure touched a, I, <laughs> I think about it a lot actually and, and i touched a little bit about it on that eater article that i wrote yeah. like i didn't wake up one day where i was like okay what career can i have because i'm gay like I didn't go on yeah. like a Google search and yeah. I feel like so many folks think that's what we Co- do. Careers for gays. I'm like, <laughs> am I going into fashion, pastry, or am I going to like be a go-go dancer? What, like, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> um, you forgot interior design. Oh, interior design too. <laughs> An event planner. Oh God. Have I hit all the stereotypes? I think most, I'm sure there's something Hollywood. Probably. Yeah. 
or just like the stereotypical gay best friend. Yes, where you have which no I life, had a friend where you have no life of your own. Which I had a friend who was like introduced me one time. This is my gay best friend. I went, well, I was your best friend, but now we're going to talk <laughs> about this. Um, no, for me, yeah, I'm I I gravitated towards pastry because of you know we talked about growing up with my grandma there, yeah. and I I just loved that. I have a very my brain mm-hmm. is very organized. It's yeah. You know, I'm OCD. I have to have precision, and it works for me. Yeah, Savory doesn't work for me. I don't have that mm-hmm. ability. There are aspects of savory that I love, and, you know, we talked about being pigeonholed. Yeah. You know, I went to Joe Kindred, and I said, I want to learn pasta. Yeah. Teach me how to make pasta. And I also, in a manager's meeting, said, I want to learn expo. I want to run this kitchen for you. Yeah. And I ran that kitchen for him. That's unheard of for a lot of pastry folks to be given that yeah. opportunity. And that's why I'm so grateful for Joe and Katie because they didn't keep me siloed. They were like, no, you're going to do front of house. You're going to do pastry. You can run this kitchen and and be a boss. And it was great. But I feel like so many folks in the pastry world, yes, no matter gender, sexual orientation, any of it, they're just stuck there. And they have to fight really hard to make a voice for themselves. They're so disrespected. I remember... Um, we're the art class, drama oh class. We're God, like, yeah. we're the first thing cut in a program. Yep, yep, exactly. And and I, it's been breaking my heart. And then you see like, you know, savory chef sort of struggling to make a dessert. You can always tell like a chef dessert. You're like, it's <laughs> creme brulee. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember talking to a dear friend of mine who I won't say who their name is because they're still in the restaurant group that they are in, but you yeah. know who it is. And, uh, <laughs> Um, but talking about um, being really, really pigeonholed and being mm-hmm. just referred to as just pastry, like not even a name, oh, pastry or, yeah. or something cruder or something. Sugar and, fairy. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of. I'm yeah. like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And if you can own it and you're happy with it, then fine. Yeah. But also like, you know, also chef works. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this friend of mine who was eventually able to like you know, open their own place uh, and doing savory and, and pastry, but, but still, you know, when awards time, when awards, uh, you know, season comes up and stuff, it's always pigeonholed into pastry and stuff. Not that pastry is at all lesser. And that's, you know, that's, that's, that's yeah. the thing that gets me. It's, it's on equal footing. It takes as much rigor and, and schooling and, and, and just everything. Well, as I the just rest. think of like the award season, like, yeah. Pastry is lumped into one category. Yeah. But I'm like, there are so many phenomenal bakers and pastry chefs out here from different regions that yeah. specialize in different things. Like, yeah. it is super diverse. Like, for me, like, I'm very herbaceous and savory. I actually mm-hmm. put a lot of savory elements into my desserts mm-hmm. and refrain from a lot of sugar. Like, that's that's like a whole different category for folks. But, yeah, it just blows my mind how we're all just, oh, you're all the same. Just lump them in and, like, here are the 12 that are, like the coolest at the moment that it's it, it is I wonder if this is gonna change and you know it's what I really really love is our restaurant editor Kushbu Shah is uh, the first thing she said when she was starting and she was like I'm a pastry freak yeah. and it's a really good thing because I know she goes into restaurants and the pastry is on equal footing uh for her sometimes better <laughs> There, Sorry, folks. There, there are some of those places. <laughs> and I'm not just saying that because I'm a pastry. Like, yeah. sometimes, like, it's just, like, damn. That yeah. pastry folk, that team just knocked it out. Yeah. So, I'm curious, though, because th- this occurs to me. Um, there's a different wing of the food shows and, and stuff, too, now that it's uh, 
blows my mind. There's it's so weird where it's all about making this epic cake that you can't actually eat. I was just talking about this. Okay. Literally. It's, it's it's a thing. And I it's sort of bother, I hate food waste. Yes. Like, it bothers me so much. And I do not deny people their craft because that that takes craft, that takes beauty, that takes to me that is like visual art. And I don't know where that fits in with pastry, but I feel like there's this pop culture notion now that like, oh, yeah. you're a pastry chef. Do you do a you know cake in the shape of the Eiffel Tower? And do you know how many people ask me if I do sugar sculpture? Oh god. I'm like, do you want to see burns all over me? Because <laughs> I would make something and it would just fall right on top of me and yeah. it would be a situation. Like that's not my specialty. I don't enjoy that. Yeah. I I want to make just what you see is what you get desserts, like with bold flavors. Yeah. But I love the folks that can do that. But right now, for some reason, there's this obsession with sculpted cakes and sugar work. And mm-hmm. I'm like, there, there's so many things we can be talking about. Like, I would love to see a show where we're talking about the, the dessert history of the Americas. Like, where yes. we're going into these churches, into these oh, places, yeah. and we have these, like, pastry chefs um, I'm clearly just making a TV show now. So. Yeah, here, hey, whoever's listening to this, who is here? I'm available. <laughs> I, I mean, but I, like, yeah, like ex- exposing that because we're doing that in the savory world. Mm-hmm. It tends to be a little bit more international focused. Yeah. I just think the Amer- like the U.S. is rich with food history, and we have just barely touched it. Well, and the way that we speak to each other with desserts, they are there for times of joy, t- times of sorrow. You think of what the pie that is dropped off when someone dies. Mm-hmm. You were thinking a wedding cake of, you know, any a, a birth you bring you bring baked yeah. goods and and there's such variation in it. Bake sales at a school, cookies, brownies, like lemon bars, like there's stories behind that. Yeah, like someone's making their grandmother's grandmother's lemon bars. Yeah, and those are those things where I I love those recipe cards and things mm-hmm. that are sort of like flour dust. Where you're kind of like, and... does that say light brown <laughs> sugar or sorghum? And <laughs> then you try, try to figure out like, did that come off the side of the box? Yeah, or <laughs> Which and they there's mostly there's really no like real directions. Yeah, like, do I just do I just put it all together? So then you yeah. like use your pastry brain. You're like, well, oh, I probably should cream this. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, because I, it was funny. I actually have a little um, like burn on, on my arm where uh, I, my mother was very sick and I was going to be there and be with my dad. And I thought like, I'll make him a lemon meringue pie that my grandmother had taught me to make. And I was sort of going through the recipe and I reached up to get the Argo cornstarch and uh, I looked on the side of the box and I like bobbled my arm. Like I think I had the oven open yeah. and I realized, Oh wait, that's just actually the recipe. It's from the side of the Argo cornstarch yep. box. Yeah. And like, okay, but that's all right because I have tremendous respect for the people who develop those recipes for the brands. Those are bulletproof. They have yeah. to be. My grandmother was so sweet. So when I was going off to college, mm-hmm. She, like, got one of those old-school scrapbooks where, like, you use the corner, like, tacks to kind of oh, hold yeah. the photos in. I think there's a word for them. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Someone want to tell me it yeah. uh, down the road. But um, she gave that to me, and it was all these recipes that she had cooked from my child from, like, birth to 18. <gasps> and they were all from, like, the sides of boxes or, like, yeah. from Schwann's or any, like, yeah. stuff. And And I was just like... And she wrote notes like, you loved this. You hated this. Oh, my God. Don't put this in there. Do this. And it, that that to me is just like her love language. And I feel like we're kind of losing that. And we're not, yeah. we're not diving into the folks that and our families who fed us yeah. and how we grew up. We didn't grow up eating like chefs. 
No, you know? maybe some people did. I sure did. I know some. I mean, <laughs> I guess Jasper's going to be growing up eating <laughs> well, like Jasper, that. But this is a lucky kid. <laughs> I'm like, here's a baguette, eat it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but like, that stuff is what I, as a chef, want to hear and I want to learn about. And I know that as a self-taught chef, that is the stuff that encouraged me to achieve my dream of being a chef. Yeah. And 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 doing it more than just cooking. Yeah. Like I saw restaurant life as a vehicle for change. Yes. Um, I didn't realize what kind of change I saw until I got into it and I experienced my own mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and now it's just like, you don't understand like how a family cookbook given to you could change the course of your life or just that one recipe for someone who's just lost their husband or wife or their partner could be the one thing that gets them out of that rut. It's- you know? I, I have a friend who's dealing with some medical stuff uh, right now, and she's she's not a person who accepts help all that easily. So mm-hmm. I had to phrase it to her like, um, would you let me have the pleasure of doing this, th- this things for you? And I thought, like, what is the thing I can make? And I went with my husband's uh, grandmother's chicken and dumplings, mm. and yes. uh, which actually probably <laughs> technically was her housekeeper Nettie's uh, yes. recipe mm-hmm. in... Uh, uh, Western North Carolina, Eastern Western North Carolina. I'm so bad that I don't remember. Um, but like really, like really straightforward. And this is a recipe that we, for our wedding, we wanted people to eat foods that we grew up eating. Yeah. So uh, from his side of the family, we uh, he got his mom on the phone and said, like, can you talk me through this recipe? And so we we have this. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So being able to like, I dropped it off at my friend's house and then like dropped it off with her doorman and ran away and then texted her like, haha, I just left food at your house. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just cookbooks are so special. Yeah, they really and like the recipes and the recipes are what make the cookbooks. And yeah, I don't think we. I think they're just becoming the professional ones. Not all of them, but I feel a lot of them are just redundant. So let's talk about writing a cookbook and the barriers <laughs> uh, to it because I've been following you on Instagram and um, I this this is a message out to the. Uh, <laughs> the the cookbook editors, publishers, etc., of the world, um, because this this broke my heart when I saw this on your um, on your Instagram, and I think it'd been on your Facebook too. I'm taking a little social media break, except for <laughs> Instagram right now. But I saw this, and the feedback that you'd been getting. Yeah, so it's been three years, give or take a few months, of me like working on a cookbook. And I, you know, I did my research. They're like, you have to have so many chapters already completed. You have to have this, do your market research. Like, I get it. Like, I'm, I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I asked folks, I'm like, should I get an agent? Should I not get an agent? Um, but I have a very, str- like, I have a very strong vision for this cookbook. And mm-hmm. it, it's kind of going off of like this textbook mentality of like allowing the readers to in, like interpret my recipes and have fun with it and write all over it. Like, do your thing. Like, yeah. go for it. I love getting co- cookbooks um, dirty. And they should be dirty. Like, that's the whole point. Like, yeah. if I'm not, if I'm opening a cookbook and it doesn't have that very distinct, like, yeah. chocolate butter, like, crackle, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not, like, covered all of a sudden by flour, like, yeah. you don't cook. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right. To, uh, tomato This is a decoration. <laughs> yeah, this is a decoration. Um, but, you know, and it's, I want to tell my story because Joanne Chang told her story. Yeah. And that inspired me and gave me the courage to do my thing. And and that's just, especially as, in, you know, queer in the in the current queer food movement, like mm-hmm. more than ever, we have to like build our own up 
and also build everyone else around it who support us yeah. um, and, and also who don't support us because they'll understand my life and they'll understand our life a little bit better that we're still the same pre- people we cook. But I have a child now and that plays a huge part in my life. And I want this cookbook to show a single gay parent um, raising a child and, and still cooking and yeah. like what our, our single parents, you know, moms and dads are doing. But, you know, this idea of like, because I'm gay doesn't mean like I shouldn't, shouldn't have a kid. I should be, if I have a kid, I should be married because I should be like yeah. that stereotype, right. you know? Um, but the pushback I've gotten has been normal things like, Oh, we don't like you like bringing back these old desserts that no one hears about. Can we just do more pies? And I'm like, no. Um, or, you know, your imagery seems a little too masculine for baking. So then it goes into the whole thing of oh, like God. pastry should be feminine. And I'm like, does pastry need a gender or sexuality? Like, I don't get that. Pastry should exist wherever it needs to I on the want, gender like, binary. I just want really scale. beautiful images. <laughs> right. um, and no one's ever called me too masculine, too, which I think is hilarious. What's the straightest dessert now I'm thinking of? I don't know. Just a bag of nails? Is it like a <laughs> butter rum cake? I don't know. <laughs> Even like, that's yeah, kind of queer. That's kind of queer. <laughs> <laughs> you think about it. Um, so it's been it's been weird stuff, and, yeah. and there has been constructive. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not saying it's been horrible, yeah. all horrible. Like, there's been very constructive, like, market research. Yeah. Like, compare and contrasting of what's out there. Got it. But the most recent one um, was essentially a publisher told me that um, they don't think America learn- – no, they didn't think. Like we don't think America will want to hear from a single gay uh, male parent who bakes. Your, 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 your reach is too small. Um, if you could stop <laughs> talking about your personal life and not mention any of that and just bake, we're good. No, we're not good. <laughs> we're in fact very bad. And that was said to me in person. Jeez. And I was just like, okay. Like, you got to like. Breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth. I was like, all right. Channel Meryl Streep. I was like, <laughs> Double Rose Prada. I'm like, nope. Like, yeah. we're just going to walk away and we're going to do it my way. Yeah. Um, and I've, that's, I kind of lost that grit with like, do it your way, Justin. Do it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do it every, like the way everyone else does it. Um, yeah. But it is challenging. And and finding an, an agent has been – and it's been on me. I'm very being very picky because I want it to no, – it's a relationship. Yeah. Like I want them to speak on my behalf and know what my vision is for this mm-hmm. and for them to defend me and not come back to me and say like, we got to change everything. Yeah. This is – I mean this is the beauty of having an agent. I I, I love my agent. Hey, Scott. <laughs> and, hey, Scott. <laughs> uh, um, he's, he's really phenomenal and stuff, but he, he's, he's so great at the care and feeding of me because like he sees when I'm getting all anxiety ridden and stuff, yeah. but, and then he's kind of me, but then he's a bulldog out there in the world and I thoroughly appreciate him, but I've never had to compromise on anything for him and you want that person. So for yeah. folks who are interested in doing a cookbook or a book of any sort, like it's really important to have the right representation for that yeah. because this person becomes a really intimate part of your life. And I also think too, like, before you even start exploring the process, mm-hmm. like for me, I knew, like I knew what I wanted. Yeah. It's changed a little bit, like mm-hmm. you know, depending on the the years and and going through divorce and ch- leaving the restaurants and then helping a bakery and and writing. Um, it's changed a little bit mm-hmm. because I chose for it to change. Yeah. I wasn't being told um, change it. Um, and I also think too, if you don't have a solid idea. No one's going to take you seriously. Yeah. So mine's like, it's very thorough, um, but it's 
It's challenging. We're living in Andy Cohen's America. You would think it's that just like really this weird. Would not, this would not be a right. It's just so weird, and I don't know if it's because it's baking. Like I don't know if it's because it's dessert, which is weird. That's an interesting. I'm I'm really curious because I because I I don't actually know that if anybody has any insight on that. I would really love to hear it. like if there's that particular thing because it gets gendered in that way yeah. that other other food stuff. Doesn't. I just don't know, but. I'm determined to do it. I I f- want this for you. I want this <laughs> like, for you. I will much. one day. Like and and yeah, you know I I, I I for some I know that you will. But uh, yeah, it's just like another. It's another layer of this whole like. You know the culinary industry and like mm-hmm. there's many facets of it. Just you are constantly, no matter you know your race or gender or sexual orientation, or you know you're just constantly like coming up, having to prove yourself over and over again. And do you feel like there has been a shift? I feel like in food media over the past several years, there has been a shift um, with a bunch of queer publications. There's like Jari and Mouthfeel and yeah. Nights Like, you know, Queer Soup and and uh, restaurants like Mimi's and things where yeah. it's it's sort of very much leading with identity. and And I feel like... I'm really excited about John Birdsall's upcoming yes. uh, biography of uh, of James. That's going to be exciting. I I think it's going to be really seismic because he he wrote a piece some years back called um, "America, Your Food Is So Gay." Yes, about the like sort of queer roots in food and especially in in cooking publications mm-hmm. and in restaurants and and I cannot wait to see yeah. where this book takes it. Um, so I feel like there has been a shift, but again, I'm a you know. Straight cisgendered white woman. Well, there has been a shift, and we yeah. are getting our voices, and we are seeing more and more of it talked about. Mm-hmm. But I also think too, we're still small, and like we're yeah. we're not in the South. There's nothing like we have. We have you know Kelly Fields, and we have Ashley Christensen. We have all these folks who are like out there talking about it, but there's not enough of us. Yeah. That are talking. I mean, mm-hmm. there's plenty of us down there, but yeah. we're there's very few of us speaking out and right. and working collaboratively mm-hmm. and trying to carry the movements that are happening in the larger cities down the south. And the south is is, believe me, I was worried about living down there, and it's actually been a joy. Like yeah. they're the sweetest people, and it's they're willing to talk and listen if they do have differences or they don't understand. And if you come bearing cookies, then right. <laughs> and bring a pie. Um, <laughs> right. But you know, it's it, it's just it's yeah. There, there's no. I feel like we're still fighting yeah, for very much. It would just be nice to not even have to discuss it and just be that's, like. I mean, that's which is why when you were coming on here, like I didn't know how much. I don't want to put the work on you to talk about yeah. it too. Uh, you've been wonderfully willing uh, to talk about it too, and I think that's going to be so important there is uh, you know a young man who i haven't met but i had the pleasure of meeting his mom and i knew he was going to work at the 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 bakery that you were at and it meant the world that you were able to sort of offer this beautiful like haven for him and and he's considering a you know career in in culinary and your example let him know that there was a place for him in this world and that is uh, that's really wonderful to me thank you no i the bakery was very special to me and you know, I was there just, you know, temporarily. I was just helping them get their feedback on the ground. And I was still raising, you know, Jasper was still very young. So he didn't have. He's such a tiny little guy. <laughs> I love that little face. Oh, I'm you in know, love with his face from your Instagram. Um, so when we were doing it, 
I knew that if I was going to have my my name on this mm-hmm. for a little bit, we were going to do it and be big and be yeah. outspoken. And, you know, I did not shy with the fact that, like, I didn't need people that had loads of experience coming into this bakery to come work for us. I didn't need, you know, these stereotypes. Like, I wanted anyone, everyone. And I made a very active, like, pursuit of finding at-risk LGBTQ youth and young adults who were had come from abusive kitchens um, to come work in here. And we worked on it together. And, like, it's not my job to provide therapy because, like, that's a, that's a lot of work. And that's, mm-hmm. you know. An actual and, profession. Yeah, that's, like, not my job. <laughs> but, but at the same time, if you're the person in charge, especially at a restaurant, you're going to be a therapist. But it's <laughs> – I, I view this when I run restaurants. And, and, and this will go on when I do other stuff. Um, my job as a partner or an owner or, or the leader is my humans, my yeah. people. Like they are making this stuff. I'm teaching them. I'm coming up alongside them and watching them. Like if I can see yeah. someone not having a great day, it would be irresponsible for me not to go and be like, what's going on? Yeah. Like I can tell like what's going on. But it also – making sure that you're complimenting great work. Yes. Even if it's like... Oh, that gets lost in the shuffle. Picking parsley. Yeah. Don't ask me to do that because, <laughs> one, I hate parsley. And, like, parsley is like my cilantro, but, like, <laughs> like I just can't. But so that's my tedious. Yeah. But it's like you crush that. Um, and that just creates and warmth. no one does that in a kitchen. No. And that's such a beautiful thing. And it just it creates warmth and it creates that open environment. And then you start the dialogue of, like... No, we're all people here. We're all different backgrounds, and we've got each other. We're a team, um, and, you know, it's family first. And even if you don't have family but you have friends, like, that oh, comes first. I'm chosen fa- – I, I believe in chosen family. Yeah, like, Big that way. comes first. You know, this is just – the the restaurant is just a vehicle. It's a, a means. It's not, like, the end-all, be-all. I don't, I don't want my life defined by my – career i want my life defined by like my integrity as a human and that's what i instill with my staff um, wherever i go but with the bakery it was just like no i'm gay this is my bakery all of our organizations that we support because let's face it restaurants are asked left and right for free stuff yes (laughs) i was like if we're gonna do it then i'm only gonna support lgbtq organizations Mm -hmm. in the small town davidson and outside of charlotte um and we had our um, cake of the day, which was a rainbow cake. Oh. And every slice of that, like a portion, went to that fund so we can support those initiatives. And um, it was just no one else was really doing that. Um, I knew it was a risk. Yeah. I was like, sweet Lord. Like, <laughs> the haters show. Here we go. Yeah. But there was nothing but greatness from it. Like mm. the folks were just like, we're so happy to hear to have a queer voice out in our town or yeah. or a neighbor um and like jasper would be in there and like these folks would just like love on him and they're loving on me and they're loving on my staff and like it was a bittersweet moment to leave but like yeah. i knew what i was doing there and it was to build them up for success and it's in good hands and i know that it's gonna continue that that momentum of being open for anyone and everyone. And I just love the name. Bonjour, y'all. <laughs> that came from a guest. Oh, God, I love that. Yeah. Can we talk about 
the word y'all for a second. I sure. love it because I feel like it's so inclusive of gender, of like everything. And I, I yeah. found myself, so I grew up in Kentucky, but not a y'all part of Kentucky. Yeah. And I, you know, married a Southerner from High Point, North Carolina, but he's not so much a y'all person unless he's uh, talking to his family. But I found myself as I hung out with more and more Southerners sort of adopting it because I feel like it's a way to, because there's a spectrum of, of gender and stuff. And I feel yeah. like it's a really great way to just like, I, I, I love that thing about like y'all all means y'all means all. And yeah. yeah. Like I, I say it now. Yeah. The first time I said it, I was like, <gasps> I was like, Oh my God. Have I'm I? like, I am my mother. <laughs> my mother's from Charlotte originally. Oh, okay. Um, but I never went there and, and I was like, Oh crap. I have to her. <laughs> I'm like, where did my Boston like, yeah. Sort of accent go like <laughs> you. What what is what is the collective you for Boston? Like here we have like, we've got you guys like in, for in Boston. What is it? Or, or I guess, yeah, it's very like you guys like in in New York or you guys or whatever. I feel like like Boston's a lot of just, like I don't think they have something for yeah for everyone, but mm-hmm. their big thing is just like Wicked or yeah. all set. Y'all set? Yeah. I'm like oh, I, you know what? I I picked that up from. I, Restaurant people, I think. Yeah, you all set? Yeah. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. So, Jasper's going to grow up a Southern kid. He's Southern, like, because he was <laughs> born in Memphis. Our surrogate is, lives in Memphis. And so, we lived there for a month after he was born. Oh, my gosh. So, he's. Best he's a, month of my life, all he, that barbecue. Oh, it's a really great town. I like, loved it. And there's some great restaurant people there, too. There's a lot of things happening that I don't feel like people are talking about, too. Yeah. I'm like, please go to Memphis. Yeah. Hey, everybody, go to Memphis. Go to Memphis. <laughs> Have a baby. <laughs> Everybody, and then go and live there for a month. Like, yeah. No, yeah, that's where he's born. Oh, my God. So, but he, so he's going to grow up maybe with an accent? You don't have one. I don't have one. David doesn't have one. But David's from the Midwest. Okay. So I don't know what Jasper. <laughs> but, like, I grew up in Southern California, but my mom was Southern. So I had this weird, like, yeah. Southern California, Southern mm-hmm. Like I say things and I'm like, oh, <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> where'd, that, where'd that thing come from? Yeah. But I, I love this and I love your embrace of the South. And I, you know, and I, you know, keep talking about North Carolina specifically because all of my in-laws are there and I've seen some of the legislation that has passed there. And uh, sorry, I'm just looking over at our producer <laughs> for time. <laughs> are we doing that? Okay, yeah. All right. <laughs> I just realized, like, okay, she's behind me. Is she going to walk around or whatever? Yeah. Um, I'm like, I can see it. I'm like, <gasps> oh, I'm like, <laughs> we're good. Oh, we're fine. <laughs> so we will we'll do the wrap it up. But, um, you know, I love this, I don't know, this, this, this sort of newer South and the inclusivity of it. And I. It's exciting. Yeah. I think it's. And it's, I'm, I love being part of it. Yeah. And seeing it happen. Yeah. And I like that you were a force for change in it. And I'm I'm really so excited to see what is going to be happened for you next. And so I there are some questions that okay. I ask of everybody. Okay. <laughs> and so, you know, you've you're you're a great dad. Please follow him on Instagram and you can see like the amazing like Thank just you. what a great dad he is. That's like, like the one job that I want to crush is being just a really good parent. I it I mean your your love for your kid like really really comes through. Thank you. It's it's such a beautiful thing to to see and you take care of the youngins around you and in kitchens and stuff. What is the thing that you just want for you, the selfish thing in this? We're saying this to the universe okay. in the Oprah moment so people can hear you say it and help you find it. Like what I want? Yeah, what's the thing that you want? The oh selfish desire. Gosh, I'm not a selfish person. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is why. This is always a hard one for people. Um, 
gosh, oh my gosh, this is so hard. Yeah. What do I want? I mean, I did just try on a jacket down the street, but I was like, my <laughs> God, I want we, this. We work in a very fancy mall. <laughs> um, I was like, what? Um, no, you know, honestly, um, I just want one email or a letter from someone who, like, I'm their Joanne Chang. That's what I want. This is a good, this it's just one person. I just need one person, and this, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good. This is going to happen. I know it will. So, I, I think I know one of the kids who that's going to be. <laughs> yeah, that's what I want. I... I have zero doubt that this is going to, just because of everything you put out there, Thanks. this is going to happen. Asking a question that I already know the answer to, but have you ever cried in the walk-in? Oh, <laughs> yes. But I actually have a funny story about that. Bring it. Real quick. Um, <laughs> usually it's dry storage. Okay. And I call it cry storage. Like I, <laughs> like I, because it's narrow, I would like grab both sides of the shelves and I would just like, you know, full back bend like, why? <laughs> um, cry storage. Um, you know, my coworker, um, Allie, who was my best friend when we worked at Kindred, like we would have a rough shift and, you know, our, our you know, walk in and dry storage is outside just cause it's an old building and I'd be walking to get a, a bottle of wine and she'd come out of dry storage and, and she, and she'd be like, eh. and I'm like, mm, cry storage. And she's like, mm, rough night. <laughs> oh my God. Like, and it's just, that's, you have to find that space to let it all out or we would literally throat punch people. Yeah. Like. Not because we didn't like them. It was just like so frustrated of like the chaos that you have to control. I hear the punching bags of flour is uh, can be a good substitute. Yeah. For... Until it busts everywhere. Oh, yeah. That's a problem. <laughs> and then pastry cleans it up. Oh, <laughs> God bless pastry. Yeah. So what is the toughest job in a restaurant? Dishwasher. Okay. Tell me why. I mean – they're just like constantly going. There is no stopping. And, you know, we ask so much of them because, you know, they're washing dishes, but then we're like, can you help take out the trash? Or all of a sudden, can you start being a prep cook? Or can you come in? Like, they are the ones that we pull left and right in all different directions. And I'm not agreeing with it. I think there's better structure for it. But that's just kind of, I find right now the structure of the restaurants, like they are, they're the backbones. And they're, if it weren't for them, we couldn't do service. Hardest job. I hear dishwasher and I hear host <laughs> a lot. Yeah. That is, wow. <laughs> you get yelled out a lot as a front door person. People, again, people, you say these things. You say them loudly. I was don't in do a that. good headspace when I was still front of house. I'm like, I'll take front today. <laughs> Emotional masochism. Yeah. Gotta love it. Yeah. So... I, um, our fantastic uh, editor, Meg Saul, uh, asked people... What are the two cookbooks, old school and new school, that are your go-to? I think we've established your old school one, but um, well, or if there's another one, I mean, wouldn't Joanne Chang's first one be old school? Yeah. Okay, I yeah. feel bad. Sorry, Joanne. Like, yeah. I feel bad saying it's old school, but but I mean, like one that doesn't come out in the last year or two. Okay, cool. Whew. Okay, yeah. I was like, Whew. um, yeah, that one for sure. I mean. It's ripped in half just from all the use from it. Like yeah. it's pretty beat up. And the new one, um, oh gosh, this is tough because I haven't been able to read any cookbooks in the past like year because yeah. I've been so busy. You're, yeah. Um, hmm. Well, I mean, I know which one I'm excited about. Do tell. Well, I'm excited about Kelly's. Yeah, Kelly Fields is going to yeah. have a cookbook. Like that's out. the one I'm kind of like really excited about. It's it, I've seen parts of it. It is it is a 
beautiful manifestation of who she is as a human being and a baker. And the photography is is stunning. And it's I'm hoping to take the next couple of months and going through cookbooks that are just stacked up. Because I'm going to be sending you some treats in the mail, I, I believe. Oh, you know what? I actually also, uh, um, my boyfriend's um, friend, Katie, just gave me um, Red Truck Bakery. Oh, yeah. Their cookbook for Christmas. And we were just up there um, visiting. And um, so that's that's when I got to read. Because I look at photos first. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to give it a chance. And I'm <laughs> like, yes. It is, a, it is a stunner. So those. Yeah. And a I'm, whole stack. I love that. It's going to be a lot of coffee. And what is the, <laughs> actually, what's the first cookbook you're going to give Jasper? Um, I think it's going to be my grandmother's scrapbook. Ooh, wow. So, yeah. That's the hell of a legacy. Yeah, that one. Yeah. And just, you know, I wish he, I wish he could have met her. Yeah. She would have just eaten him up. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, you're going to do such a great job translating her to, to him. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. What's your comfort food? Which is not pastry, apparently. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, I call it saucy rice, but just give me rice with any kind of sauce. Like it could be Ooh. curry, it could be spicy. Just like mm. I want a bowl full of rice and just like all of the like sauce in it. Yeah, I love that. And like katsu chicken, I'm like, eh. Forget the chicken. Just give me that gravy and <laughs> rice. That's, oh my! Well, like so, Carolina like hash rice. Yeah, that's that's some good stuff. Yeah, I'm just like anything in a bowl with rice and like a lot of sauce. I'm in heaven, oh. and I will eat four servings of it. <laughs> You'll be very happy walking around yeah. New York right now. Um, what is the last meal that you had that made you emotional? Oh wow! Um, it was New Year's Eve. Um, I had not, so I used to make a tradition of going to a different city for New Year's Eve. Yeah. And then I started working in restaurants and you work New Year's Eve. Yes. And, um, this New Year's Eve, it was my first with my boyfriend, Lewis, um, who's amazing. Um, and he's so great with Jasper, but we went to Charleston and we ate mm. at Melfi's and oh. like that food, I was just like, <laughs> damn, like you can swear. <laughs> Like, damn, like, I just was like, this is amazing. And the, the, everyone was just so great. And we stayed there until the ball dropped and we had champagne with everyone and the staff. And, um, it was just beautiful. It was beautiful and perfect. I love that. What is the last meal that somebody made for you in their home? Lewis. <laughs> so I've been kind of in a creative rut. And so I haven't really. So stepped. I read on your Instagram. <laughs> so I haven't stepped in foot of a kitchen. I haven't cooked in a long time. Mm-hmm. I just have not been inspired. And I think yeah. it's just had a lot going on. Yeah. Um, but Lewis made some shrimp and grits. and Oh, which is like my favorite dish on the planet. Probably. You know, I was like, oh, and we're, we're still newly dating. And. Um, I was like, oh, I can't eat dairy, so please don't put cream in the grits. I don't know if that's even going to worth it. And he crushed it. He's like, oh. nope, we're doing coconut cream. I'm, he, like, crushed it. <sighs> and you couldn't even tell that it was non-dairy. Oh, my God. That's, and that is such a special dish. I love anytime I'm in South Carolina. Yeah. I mean, I get it outside of South Carolina, too, but it's never going to be. And they're in New Orleans, actually. And yeah. you're just never going to have quite the right. He's so special, too, because he just loves to cook Mm. and like he just lights up. And I'm like, I'm not being asked to do this. Like, this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So many chefs don't get cooked for. No. What living musician would you want to cook for and what would you cook for them? Um. Okay. It's I feel like it's Ben Platt. Oh, 
Yes. I love him. Yeah. Like, I want to be his best friend. Yeah. And I want to cook for him. But <laughs> what would you make for Ben Platt? Um, so it would just be like really cool, like casual. Like I would probably do some like I would just I probably would go like mashed parsnips, some like fried chicken, like um some butter beans with cornbread. Um super like southern but yeah. casual and then just like a big thick slice of lemon meringue pie. Um because I feel like He's a so powerful, like his voice is so powerful, and I love him. But I also think he's approachable and kind of like casual. Like, I don't need the fussy stuff. Like, let's just eat this. Dear Ben Platt, <laughs> there's someone who wants to cook for you. Yeah, and give you a hug. <laughs> oh, I think that'd be so lovely. Yeah, no, but that's that's who. Yeah, yeah, he's great. I love that. Though I don't know him. <laughs> no, I think I think that's a wonderful answer. Yeah. Last question. Okay. You have five uninterrupted minutes for self care. What do you do? run that's what I do I run um and I don't tie myself I don't use any of the trackers Mm -hmm. um it's my therapy it's actually the one thing um that I've been able to conquer the addiction side of it oh that's great and use it to um let me process my emotions um and understand like the endorphins I get from it um and honestly like five minutes is all I need and I feel great oh that is so and and I empowered folks that when they see me like going down the deep end, like mm-hmm. they're like, uh oh, they can just say go run, and I'm like, got it, I he- I hear you. Oh, that's those people are really important. Yeah. Can we pinky swear for a second? Yeah. Okay. You're okay. gonna write this All right. cookbook. Yes, we're putting it out there. It is. We're putting this energy into um, Ben Platt's gonna write the foreword. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But here's to like. Remaining your authentic self Thanks. and bringing these grandma desserts yeah. and stuff and putting more of you into the world. Thank you. Yay. I will, I will do that. Thanks I promise. For, thank you for being here. Thank you for having Yay. me. This has been great. Thank you so much to our guest today, Justin Burke. And you can find him on all the socials. It's uh, Justin B. Sampson, yep. I believe, on Instagram. What's Twitter handle? Do you do Twitter as much? I Kind of do. It's the same thing. Okay. But you've heard, I was babbling on about the Instagram <laughs> during that, but it really is like a, just a jolt of beauty and joy in my life every day. And you get to see his his wonderful life with, with Jasper and with pastry and follow along on all his adventures as he is going to be writing this cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> Support him. Uh, like Tell all your publishers that you want to hear from Justin because his, his message is just it's an important one and um, it's going to inspire a whole new generation of bakers and celebrate the old ones. So I want to thank our crew who is Hallie Tarpley, Margot Gotthelf and Jennifer Martnick and all of our wonderful visual and audio people who change out all the time. They are all fantastic humans. Thank you to Douglas Wagner for our delightful theme song. And like I said, this is part of Food and Wine Pro, which is uh, to me a really exciting part of the website and in person activations and the magazine as well and it's for people who really want to know what is going on in the industry it's for the industry and it really actually helps if other people pay pay attention to this stuff too because you can vote with your dollar about what establishments you want to support what kind of ways of life you want to support so people uh don't have to get burned out and abused in the kitchen and (laughs) support the really good places um so you can uh, go to foodandwine.com there's links there there is a newsletter um the food wine pro newsletter that we are so proud of um you'll 
get a weekly note from Hunter Lewis, uh, our editor-in-chief. Sometimes I pinch it, our, along with our fantastic associate restaurant editor, Oset Babur. You will always find the latest podcast in there. Some words of wisdom from our test kitchen. Uh, associate uh, Kelsey Youngman, who is just a wonderful person, certified meditation instructor. And you will see the self-same uh, mantras that she shares with us at our Monday morning meetings, along with the news you need to know for that week. Um, if there's somebody who you think we should be talking to or in a, uh, something you think that we should really address, uh, reach out to me. I'm pretty easy to find, especially on Twitter, where I am Kitten with a Whip. On Instagram, I am Kat Kinsman. And you know, let me know uh, who, who you think needs to be amplified, something you're curious about. And, uh, you know, we love to seek out new people and talk to them. Most importantly, take good care of yourself until the next time. 